Welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. I'm a mom, physician assistant, writer, and life coach. Two years ago, I was feeling stuck, restless, overwhelmed, and I felt like I wasn't where I was supposed to be, but I had no idea what that even meant. And the crazy part is my life had turned out pretty awesome, at least on paper, but I couldn't figure out what was wrong or why I felt out of alignment. A series of books and podcasts and conversations changed my life and revealed my next journey one step at a time. My purpose right now is to help you wake up to your soul's purpose by sharing conversations with amazing women who've walked in your shoes. Keep listening and the answers to your next step will come, I promise. We're all here for a reason, and I'll help you figure out what that is so you don't have to waste another minute sleepwalking through your life. I definitely don't have it all figured out, so I'll also share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. So if you've been thinking about hiring a life coach, or if you have no idea what a life coach is, and you're thinking, well, I don't know, I probably need one because I'm stuck, and a lot of what Hope says sort of resonates with me call me. Well, actually, don't call me. Let's let's schedule a time to talk. So you can email me hope.cook at gmail.com or go to my website, coachhopecook.com. And there's a place on there you can schedule a free discovery call. And what I've started doing is offering sort of a mini coaching session for free because so many people don't know what life coaching is. So you have nothing to lose. There's no pressure. So I highly recommend it. Y'all, welcome to Wednesday. I'm trying out a new microphone, so if it sounds a little different, that's why. I don't particularly like this one, but my other one is recording gibberish. So here we go. This episode is on how to trust your gut because I hear from so many women who are struggling with knowing what to do. Um, And for those men or women out there who are like that and you're having trouble making a decision or knowing which way is the quote unquote right way to go, this episode is for you. For those of you who would like to tap into your intuition or for those of you who don't even know what intuition is, this episode is for you. This is also for those of you who are non-feelers. So you have problems identifying like when I say, what do you feel or where do you feel it? You have trouble with that um, until you find yourself like in a full-blown rage or meltdown. So we've all heard of women's intuition, but sometimes it feels like intuition is only there in the rearview mirror of life. So it's easy to look back and be like, you know, I had a feeling about him or I knew not to take that job, but I did it anyway. When I'm talking to women, and this problem does seem to be more common with women, They're often at a crossroads, and that's why they've come to me in the first place. They want me to help them decide which way to go. But the funny thing is they already know what to do, but they're afraid to admit it or they lack the confidence to admit it. Um, They hem and they haul about they don't know what to do, and they want to talk over all the pros and the cons and all the different ways it could go. And if this is sounds familiar, maybe you also ask all your friends and your family, like, what do you think I should do? And you kind of list out all the all the different options. Um, and then maybe you finally go see your therapist or your coach. 
So there are a few questions I've learned to ask that help give you clarity when you're at this crossroad. Um, one is like that song, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. So if you can catch somebody off guard and ask them this, and if they can respond before their brain kicks in, it's usually a glimpse of what their their heart wants, their true north. Another way of wording is, um, what do you long for? What does your heart want? What do you want deep down in your core? And so I've said this before, but you have to get quiet in order to know what's down there in your heart space. Um, years ago, I dated a guy. It was all because my friend said he looked just like Patrick Swayze. And I was like, really? And because I didn't think that at the beginning. But once she said that, I, it was like my, I got this filter over my eyes and all I could see was Patrick Swayze. And even though I wasn't that into him, I could only see through what I call the Patrick lens. I finally admitted I didn't like him and I wasn't into him, but it took, we dated for months and, you know, he met my parents, I met his parents. Um, but now when I find myself doing stuff like that, that feels out of alignment, like, for example, posting on TikTok, which would not be, that would not feel like me. I ask myself, all right, is this another Patrick Swayze situation? For those of you who are under age, maybe 35, and you don't know who Patrick Swayze is, he was the hot dude in Dirty Dancing. God rest his soul. Um, but anyway, the Patrick Swayze lens helps me identify like whether it's a heart decision or whether it's a everybody says I should sort of decision. I saw this recently with my daughter. She signed up for softball and clearly she had this image in her head of softball players. They're tough. They, um, I mean, she'd gone to the UGA softball game and these girls are amazing. They're strong. They're athletic. Most of them are pretty. And she wanted to look like that, to be like that. She did not, however, realize that she had to practice and that she wouldn't know how to hit a ball or catch a ball for a long time. So she was kind of going with uh, her, her ego, her societal norms. We'll talk more about that. Okay, so this, this going with whatever society thinks or um, what your ego thinks, this uh, Patrick Swayze thing, it can also show up with us putting other people first. So we are so societally programmed not to be rude, not to be selfish, at least in the South. And in childhood, we were taught to put other people's needs first. So in childhood, we form an internal manager that helps us filter our reactions so we're not rude, so we don't hurt feelings. Um, I always heard, be sweet, be sweet now. And that was what teachers would say. It was what grownups would say. My mom would say it. And so the Another thing I've noticed with my daughter is um, she was not being sweet, and I put that in quotations, when she was a, a much smaller with this girl who was her age. And I wanted the two girls to be friends because I wanted to hang out with her. I wanted us to hang out with her parents. And my daughter was like, I don't like her. And I asked her why she didn't like her. And she gave, you know, concrete examples of why they weren't the best friend match. 
And I found myself thinking, what is her mom going to think? Oh my gosh, I'm mortified. Like, why can't they be friends? But I have to give my daughter credit. Like, why do we teach our kids to go against their intuition? She didn't, she didn't care for this girl. I mean, it wasn't anything snarky. It was just they weren't the best match. Another example that wise old Ollie, my daughter, um, helped me with was when she was um, in a much younger grade at school, she had a parapro, a teacher's aide, and I'll call her Miss Mary. And Ollie would come home and just rant about Miss Mary. And she would be like, Miss Mary is so mean. And I was like, yeah, right. She just, you, she wants you to do your work and you don't want to do your work. So I definitely did not trust Ollie's um, impression of Miss Mary until I went on a field trip and I was around Miss Mary and I got to see the look of, it wasn't quite hatred, but it was anger and disdain for these students, at least some of them. Um, and I mean, she would talk to them in the meanest voice. It was like a scary voice for little kids. And the kids, or at least my daughter, was picking up on this. So it's another example where, you know, how many kids have the the courage to talk about a teacher or not like a teacher? And she knew. So if you were like me, though, and you were raised thinking that grown-ups or superiors were always to be respected, no matter what, one of the worst sins a Southern girl could, could commit was rudeness then you may need help tapping into your inner self and your inner manager. So I got the term inner manager from um, Richard, Dr. Richard Schwartz. He wrote about um, internal family systems. And so this is where different parts of you, you form different parts of yourself in childhood. So there may be a, you know, little miss manners. There may be a um, internal manager. And so the internal manager is formed when, um, your parents or grown-ups are telling you what you should do and how you should behave. And so you form this manager to help you manage that, to help remind you constantly like, oh, hope, don't, don't say that. That's rude. Hope, be sweet. <clears throat> and so we still keep this inner manager, even though we don't necessarily need it anymore. And I guess we do need it to have a filter so we're not completely off the charts rude. Excuse me. Um, think of the inner manager whenever you hear yourself thinking in shoulds, like I should take her a meal. She just had a baby. I should volunteer for the snow cone booth at the school fair. I shouldn't be dreading going over to her house. I should be grateful for this job. The shoulds and the shouldn'ts are all your internal manager trying to keep you safe and protect you. So she's there for a reason. You don't need to just hate on her and uh, say, why do I think that? I mean, really, she's there for a reason. She's there to protect you. But our internal manager often goes way overboard and can end up being more strict than any of the grownups in our life were. I've named mine Helga. So I needed a name that was really harsh um, if your name's Helga, I apologize. But in, in my world, like Helga sounds like she's going to, 
you know, beat the crap out of me if I do something wrong and she's going to be super strict. So I am slowly learning to recognize her voice. It can sound like an inner critic, but it can also be a fearful voice. She can be very afraid. She's afraid that, you know, one day I'll be broke. One day I will have no friends. You might be, your Helga may be worried that you're going to die single. Um, she's where she tells you like, you should stay at this job forever, even if you're not happy, because what if the grass is not greener? Um, she might be the one to say, it's okay to settle for Mr. Okay. Instead of listening to your gut and finding your soulmate. She's the one who says it's better to work your butt off your entire life and be responsible rather than take a year off sabbatical or to take time off when your kids are little. So how do I know when Helga's speaking? The shoulds are an example, but I also feel physically like a tightness or a contraction when she's the one feeding thoughts into my head. I breathe shallow, I get tense and anxious, and I kind of future cast about all the terrible things that can happen. <clears throat> so what do we do about this Helga? We recognize her and then we check in with our inner self. So. This is the real hope. This is the hope who would be the same even if I had grown up with parents in India. It would be the same hope um, on my deathbed as in my 20s. It's a part of me that never changes. Some people think of it as their soul, their um, their true self, their... If, if, I realized this recently. You know, my mom is a huge proponent of any decision, she'll say, pray about it. Just pray about it. And I realized that praying is also a way of checking in with your heart. You know, as little kids, we learn um, God lives in your heart. And so just in simple terms, it's sort of like checking in with God within, checking in with your inner knowing. So we've got these two parts. We've probably got many, many more parts than that. But there's the inner wise self, the intuition. And then we've got Helga. If we're listening to Helga, we are usually ignoring our intuition. We're pushing aside those internal nudges. Um, we're filtering our decisions with like, what would everybody think? Or what should I do? And when we live life according to this filter, this Helga filter, it's like an inauthentic life, a life out of alignment. Um, if you've ever driven a car that's out of alignment, you know it pulls to one side. And no matter how much you straighten the wheel, it still pulls to one side. As a teenager, I had a summer job scouting cotton. For those of you who didn't grow up around cotton, this involved me going out down a long dirt road to cotton fields, and I would search for insect damage or actual insects on plants, and I would tell the farmer when he needed to spray. And as a side note, I did this so I could work on my tan during the summer because I would scout cotton in a bathing suit top. And um, the irony is now I work in dermatology and I frown upon that sort of thing. But anyway, I couldn't drive my Honda Accord down these long dirt roads because it wasn't designed for that. You know, it would have been pretty beat up by the end. But I did drive my dad's hunting and fishing truck. It was a 1984 Datsun pickup truck. Pretty beat up. It was brown. And so we called it Old Buck. As in, I guess it was like a deer. You know, a deer is called a buck. 
anyway, it was stick shift. I had to learn to do that. I had to learn to change a flat tire and lock it into four-wheel drive before my dad would turn me loose with his precious hunting truck. He didn't tell me, though, not to fly down the road and bump over everything that I could. So eventually the truck got out of alignment and it did not have power steering, so it would pull hard to one side. And I remember thinking, old Buck has a mind of his own about which way I need to go. If I let loose and let old Buck decide where to go, he probably would have ended up in a ditch. Old Buck is like Helga or our inner manager. It's out of alignment with our true selves, and it has its own ideas about which way we need to go. Okay, so how do you trust your gut? Like I've talked so much about Helga and old Buck and Patrick Swayze sunglasses, But how do you trust your gut? Okay, well, first of all, you have to feel it. So you have to get quiet in order to feel it. Um, One way of doing this is just close your eyes if that feels safe for you and just take several long, slow breaths. And you try to extend your inhale and your exhale as long as you can. That will sort of... um, If you're able to close your eyes, that'll get rid of all the external things that you're looking around and you're seeing, and it sort of puts you in touch with that inner part of you. If you can find your pulse, and this sounds weird if you've never done it, but if you can, um, like maybe at the top of each inhale or the bottom of each exhale, hold your breath for maybe three seconds, a lot of times you can feel your heartbeat. And you can even feel your pulse in different parts of your body. Like if you have your legs crossed, you could probably feel your pulse in your feet. Um, So that's another way of sort of dropping within your body. Another way of trusting your gut is to have someone ask you this question or you just start journaling about it. If I didn't care what people thought, I would blank. Or if money weren't a factor, I would blank. So those are, that's another way is just answering these questions. Um, insights can also appear in dreams. So the other night I dreamt that I was trying to get into my house. It was my house, but I'd been locked out of it. And I looked everywhere for a key. I found a key and it melted in my hand like warm taffy. Like it just folded up and it was like mushy. Um, And I kept trying to find a key, but every time I would find one and hold it, it would melt before I could like get it in the lock. So um, we as life coaches have a way of um, analyzing dreams. In this case, I would look at the symbols in the dream, which would be the key and the house. And you can, this is so much easier if you have somebody helping you do it. But I put myself in the role of the key. So it's like I'm in a play and I am playing the part of the key. So I ask for a description of myself and I would say I'm useless, I'm bendable, I'm stubborn. And then I'd ask the key if it has a message for me. And I actually did this. And the message that popped out on paper was, Um, You can't go backwards. The house is no longer yours. You need to move on and stop trying to make me fit. So then I would ask the house in the dream the same questions. Um, And then I ask myself, like, is there anything else in my life that that seems to resemble this that is no longer a good fit? And the thing that popped up was um, exercise. Not that exercise is not a good fit, but the way I was exercising with like a lot of cardio, uh, power yoga, 
just sort of pushing myself. Um, and so anyway, I'd been reading a lot about psychology around intense exercise and I've been listening to my body and it turns out my body doesn't love these intense exercises. I actually like walking better than jogging right now. I like slow flow yoga right now. Um, so anyway, that was just an easy example of like something that was inside of me that I probably wouldn't have even recognized, um, if I hadn't had a dream about it. You can also try distracting your brain. So y'all have heard of um, the, is it Archimedes? When he came up with this, he said, Eureka! And he came up with this famous mathematical principle while he was taking a bath. Um, So sometimes in the shower, like you'll just, an answer will pop into your head. Um, I've had some of my biggest aha moments while driving, So my brain is occupied on driving and maybe a little tiny bit of my attention is um, focused on this problem without me even knowing it. And then the answer will just sort of pop up. Okay, let's move on. So let's say you have a job interview and you want so badly to make the right decision. How do you know, like, what's hell go? What's your gut? So one piece of advice is to go with your initial feelings while you're talking to the interviewees. Like, what did you think when you were in the room? What was sort of in the back of your mind? What was the energy like in the room? Did you uh, get a sense of trust with the people who were interviewing you? Did you feel flutters of excitement or was there a tense pressure to make it a good fit? Another giveaway is if you're trying to convince yourself it's a good fit. And this could be with dating. This could be with a job. Um, An even bigger sign is if you were on the fence, but then you heard about the salary and the benefits, and all of a sudden you find yourself more inclined to either take it or turn it down, um, that may be a sign that you're going with societal uh, pressures instead of what your gut says. So what happens if you don't listen? Like what happens if you have that feeling, I shouldn't do this, like I feel it down in my core. And I told y'all, I did this with a job one time. I took it anyway. Um, You're not doomed though. I mean, we always have choices. So it's not like if you start down this one path, you can never veer off of it. I mean, sometimes your intuition is there to help you make the best choice, but you choose to make a different choice because of circumstances. Um, like, okay, I'll give y'all the job example. So I took a job at an urgent care when we lived in Montana. I was desperate for a PA job because I was working at a bakery. I was making minimum wage. I did get a 25 cent raise while I was working there. Um, but we even like bounced a check at TJ Maxx, which that's so embarrassing. But, but anyway, we did. So this office manager told me that the doctor was um, had a bad temper, there was a high turnover, and he was, quote unquote, hard to deal with. And I was, but I took it anyway, because I wanted a job so badly. Um, even though my intuition said, no, like, this is not a good fit, but I took it. And it wasn't terrible. Yes, I cried. I was stressed out. I was convinced, you know, I was going to have a heart attack by the time I was done working for him. But all of this was good information and it helped me um, helped me find the stepping stone to my next job. 
So, and it also gave me information that I never wanted to work for somebody like that guy again. And I never wanted to work in an urgent care again. So I had another, I had a tip that somebody was going on maternity, maternity leave who worked in allergy and asthma. And normally I would not have even considered a maternity leave job because it's just two to three months. But I interviewed and this doctor was the nicest guy ever. He was like Santa Claus. He was so nice. So I jumped at the chance, took that job. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're, you can pivot once you start down a path, even if you ignore your intuition to begin with, it will help you get more in tune with what you should do the next time you get the opportunity. So follow that feeling, get in touch with your feelings. I know that sounds all cheesy, but um, yeah, you've got to identify what you feel and where you feel it in your body. And this is called in my life training program, it's called the body compass. I don't know if Martha Beck invented it, but she's taught it to us. And so the idea is that lie detectors work because our bodies don't lie. Our brains can lie. Our brains can trick us, but our bodies won't lie. So when you have a decision to make, even if it's something simple like, um, should I buy this pair of shoes or should I let my daughter do this summer camp versus this other summer camp? Um, trust your body. So you get quiet and you sort of drop within. And she has you first pick a, a good thing that's happened in your life, a good moment that had good feelings around it. Um, and you rate that on a scale all the way from negative 10, which is terrible, 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 all the way up to positive 10, which is absolutely amazing. And zero is neutral. So let's just say my thing was uh, being on vacation in, uh, where was that? Out on an island outside of Puerto Rico one time without kids. So I would say that was like a positive eight. And, and so then you think about the way you felt. So it was a light feeling. I felt free. I felt excited. Um, yeah, just really open. And then I think, then she has you think about something that is a not so great experience. So maybe I'll think about um, working at that urgent care and one day when the doctor came in the room and snatched the chart out of my hand and snapped his fingers at me and said, we have to keep moving, Hope. And so that would have been like a negative, maybe a negative four, negative five. It wasn't traumatic. It was just, um, it was just sucky. So I describe how I feel there. I felt very tense, very anxious, um, constricted. My jaw was tight. So that gives you an idea of like where my negative four or five is and where my positive eight is. Okay, so then you think about um, a decision you have to make or something on your to-do list. For me today, I wanted to outline uh, book chapters. So I think about, okay, let me close my eyes. Let me see what that rates on my scale. It's definitely positive. I mean, I'm kind of putting it off, but that's because I want to get it right. Hmm, I would say it's a positive two. And then I think about something else on my list, which is I have to call uh, my dental insurance and find out why they haven't processed my last claim. 
And that's not, you know, it's not, it's a little worse than neutral. I'm definitely not looking forward to it. So I'd say that's a negative one. And so this helps you decide um, when you have to make a decision. But you could also take that negative one. And if you if it's something you have to do, I mean, I pretty much have to call the dental insurance people. Is there a way that I could bag it, barter it, or better it? So again, this is Martha Beck teaching this. So if you bag it, that means you don't do it. You just say, eh, not going to do it. The check should arrive eventually. I'm just not going to worry about it. If you barter it, you get somebody else to do it. So I could get my husband to do it. And the third B is better it. Is there a way I could reward myself, bribe myself, or like do something else to make this situation better? And what I decided was I would do it when I'm picking up my daughter. So I'll be in the car anyway, kind of stuck there. And that way I don't feel like I'm wasting time. And then maybe when I'm done, maybe then I'll let myself get on social media and browse Facebook or something. I don't know. So anyway, those are just examples. This turned out to be a much longer post than I had planned. But um, let me know, y'all, if you want to work through some of this, if you have a decision you're trying to make and you're like, how do I check in with my gut? I don't even know what my gut is. Um, it can be very confusing if you're in the thick of it. So it may help to have somebody else who's outside of you and who can ask you those hard questions. Okay, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me on social media at Coach Hope Cook, or you can email me old school, hope.cook at gmail.com. Thank y'all for listening. It was so much fun talking to you today. All right, if you are ready to make some major changes in your life, if you're at the point where you are sick and tired of feeling stuck and directionless and you really don't know what to do next or where to go, maybe it's time we had a little chat. So I have it set up on my website. You can schedule a free 30-minute discovery call and we'll sit down and decide if we're a good fit. Maybe you'd prefer group coaching. Maybe you need one-on-one coaching or maybe you just want to talk and, and say hello. So go on over to my website. It's coachhopecook.com. That's H-O-P-E-C-O-O-K.com and schedule the free discovery call. And I can't wait to talk to you. So See you next week, and hopefully I'll talk to some of you before that.